All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 124. It's Tuesday night. This is, we love to just talk to you about college football, about whatever you want to talk about. So if you'd like to join us, just hit request. It's going to be me, Bob Akairi, and my regular co hosts, JD Moore and serious so we're firing this up right now in fact i just see jd i'm gonna go ahead and add him and again if you'd like to talk to us we'd like to hear from you so just go ahead and hit request from the twitter app and we will get to you i see serious is here hey jd how are you doing tonight Man, it is cold in Austin, Texas tonight. I know that y'all northerners always laugh at us when, you know, it gets down to about 30 degrees and we got our sleeting ice on the roads, just kind of shutting everything down. But, man, it is cold out here today, bundled up with a nice warm fire in my house, uh, you know, trying to make the best of this frozen tundra situation. Uh, Below freezing is not a temperature that we consistently have, nor are we prepared for it. Bro, I live in Minnesota. Like, I have zero, zero tolerance for <laughs> Texans complaining about cold. It's almost like Floridians. I mean, it's been negative. Gosh, it was negative 26 with the wind chill when I woke up this morning. So, it, um, yeah, no, no, it can, get, it can get a lot colder. Hey, Sirius, how are you? You able to get on? Yep, I'm here. Is it uh, warm where you are or uh, colder? Somewhere in between. I'm not considering what you two just said. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know what? We already have someone up here, and we'd, we'd love to. Oh no, it dropped him. Oh shoot, we had a uh, we had someone up here for a second. Um, again, if you'd like to join the conversation, just go ahead and re- hit request. Always stuff to talk about in college football at all levels. We always love hearing from you. Um, so yeah, you know uh, what? Oh, actually, I see someone wants to join us right now. Let's go ahead and get you up here, Harry James Taylor. We're adding you right now harry what are you are you up here i am what's going on guys not much how are you howdy howdy i'm terrific pretty excited about the uh the big 12 schedule finally being released i don't know what took so long but uh it's finally out we're ready to rock and roll with that i guess um the thing that shocked me about the whole process is that uh well two things really a it's that they kind of put my Sooners in kind of an awkward position. I really expected like the Cincinnati and the BYU trip to kind of correspond with before and after Texas, kind of that area. They kind of didn't do that and screwing us over that way, but they did kind of screw us over in that you have to go all the way out to, to, to Brigham Young, out to Utah, and then you don't even get a full break. You get uh, basically uh, – uh, a, a week really and it's not even a full week because you have to get thanksgiving day off and all that but uh so yeah we'll play saturday and then the following friday i guess would be a senior night against tcu but uh and uh so and red speaking of tcu have you seen their road schedule oh yes absolutely so i mean that what's is first <laughs> that is horrid Again, just with that back half scheduling, man, you're going on the road to Texas Tech on a Thursday night. Then you got the Oklahoma game right after Thanksgiving. Uh, it is not exactly a friendly back half for TCU at all. Well, it's not only that, JD, but also that that first one is is Iowa State. Uh, no, Houston, Houston. You, you oh, know they're absolutely. coming off of the high, and they they know what they want to do. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Iowa State. It seems like it seems like every team but Oklahoma has trouble up in Ames. 
So there is that one circled. And then you talk about it the Thursday night against uh, Thursday night against Tech, and then Oklahoma to finish it out. That's not an that's not an easy road for the uh, defending Big Twelve champs, and basically their entire team is is depleted now. This is not going to be the same team that that went out to to uh, Arizona, Kyler Murray's country in Arizona, knocked off Michigan, and then went to the national championship. This is not going to be the same team. Well, hey, 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 first, before you say anything else, you know, TCU did end up going to that national championship game. But you got to remember, Oklahoma actually gets to miss the Big 12 defending champs this year because Kansas State ain't on that schedule for this year. You ain't going to have any kind of spookiness from Chris Kleiman in Boomer or, Sooner or, or, Country. Or Aranda. No, or Aranda. no, 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 no. Aranda has our number two a little bit. Absolutely. That's pretty interesting. I, I, I saw that. I noticed that. Yes, and I think that's also just one thing that is just absolutely wild in this schedule. I know that, you know, Georgia ended up having to cancel that series, uh, which really does hurt Oklahoma's non-conference schedule and general overall uh, schedule for this year. But, man, one of the things that just blows my mind is some of your big games this year are going to be on the road at Cincinnati, on the road at BYU, and on the road at Tulsa which is just the strangest game that I could imagine, like not just even playing in-state, but in-state against the G5, against someone who isn't necessarily a rival. Because I can understand, you know, TCU and SMU going at it, Houston pairing up against another Texas school like a Baylor or a Texas Tech, where they have the history with that. For Oklahoma to go on the road to Tulsa, uh, pair that in with the rest of the schedule this year. What a wild schedule this year for Oklahoma. Yeah, JD, I'll let I'll let some of the other people get on here, here real quick and have some fun with that. But I will say that you're right. When the SEC says no, because you might be coming to inside the SEC in two or three years, and we don't want to mess with that. We don't want to mess with the conference schedule. So you're gonna have to reset it. I think that Tulsa might not have been the best choice, but I think that that was one of the easier choices uh, because now they're gonna be up there with Tulane. They're gonna be a couple of the sleepers with, by the way, UCF and those guys. Coming into the Big 12, by the way, that's going to be the game right after Texas, a week after the bye week after Texas. Uh, so we'll have Texas, the bye week, and then UCF. So that's going to be pretty interesting. But also the fact is who the who the head coach is there now. Uh, he and Kev, uh, Brent, Brent Venables and Kevin Wilson have a very good relationship. They were good friends. They were at Oklahoma at the same time. So that kind of gave them a little bit of a, a little bit of a path in there. And, you know, who's to say that they can't compete with uh, – with, with New Orleans now, or with Tulane now. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the new American uh, Athletic Conference, the investment that they're putting in with Kevin Wilson, they realized with Phil Montgomery, they had kind of their limit of what Tulsa was going to be able to do as a program. I know they're a really small school, roughly about 5,000 students or so, uh, private school as well. So you've got a couple of limitations uh, with Tulsa as an institution. But for them to actually pull the trigger on Phil Montgomery after having him for so long and deciding, hey, you know what, we want somebody who has Power 5 experience because, again, Kevin Wilson had his time at Indiana. He's coached at Ohio State. He's coached at Oklahoma. Uh, he has the history of working at a Power 5 level and knows what is needed to coordinate at a Power 5 level. For Tulsa to decide, hey, you know what, we want to try to achieve that type of success in this new AAC, uh, it's going to be very fun to see how Tulsa reacts from here. Yeah, it's always been a tough program, uh, only because of how small it is. It's it's one of the smallest enrollments in all of uh, 
in all of FBS, I think, along with Rice and, and obviously, uh, I think, like Air Force. So, um, and Air Force is its own special, you know, situation in and of itself. But yeah, man, thanks for joining us, Harry. That was this has been an interesting way to start it off. And um, again, if you'd like to join us, if you have thoughts on college football or anything we've talked about or anything we you'd like us to talk about or discuss, feel free to hit request. We love hearing from you. It's uh, it's on the app. You got to use your phone to do it, but. We'd uh, love to have you join us. But looking at some of the stuff that's happened in the past week, just because uh, oh, and I see someone who actually wants to join in, so Doc Holiday, I will get you up here. It's good to see you coming back. But yeah, I, I think later I'd love to talk about what's going on with Stetson Bennett. That dude is, he's got some man, uh, Johnny Manziel moments kind of uh, reminding me here, a little throwback to that. But hey, Doc Holiday, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Trying not I'm trying not to freeze out here. <laughs> oh, where are you I'm at? In, I'm in Dallas, man. So we are we are pretty much about to have cabin fever for the next couple of days, for like, like at least two days. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, for a little bit, uh, I, I get an introduction for myself. A little bit about myself. Uh, I have a, a podcast, YouTube podcast. It's uh, called HBCU Overdrive with Doc Holliday. I go live pretty much uh, five like five days out of the week. Uh, we talk about this thing as far as uh, dealing with HBCU sports, uh, mainly with football. Uh, I deal with the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, well, that's the main thing I talk about is SWAC, the SWAC schools, Jackson State, which is my alma mater. Um, also, try to get in talks with about the MEAC, uh the C the S I A C um and um Oh I think it it faded out there or is this my mic having the the same error before guys? <laughs> last couple of weeks, by the way, I should warn everybody, the last couple of weeks we had this weird error coming up on Twitter spaces where the host, myself, couldn't hear even my co hosts speaking. But Doc, if we can, uh, I, I think we—I uh, got confirmation. It, it just sort of the, the mic kind of killed on your side. But we'd love to hear from you, you know. And I'd love to hear. There's something the the hot news that's been obviously in the last week or so, a little over a week, was uh, the whole situation at Buffin Cookman and Ed Reed. I'd love to hear your take on that. Uh, my take on that is with Buffin Cookman. Uh, we all saw Ed Reed was there, but he was not. But he did not have a contract signed with the school. Uh, the school was still the school with him. They were still working out details in the contract. Uh, every goes online to um, Instagram Live, and he kind of you know everybody saw. Uh, but yeah, but then they uh, instantly pulled the off the board. Uh, they didn't ratify his contract, so basically, um, he was only named the head coach and principal. But until you, you know, you sign that contract, you're not right. fully as the head coach. So uh, then the things are coming out as far as what's going on at school. Um, the football players, the school protested. Football players still want every to, to be the coach, but I felt like, and I told them, you know. In a sense, that ship has sailed. <laughs> uh, that ship has sailed, uh, and I think 
it read in a sense because now with that rant, um, it 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 might for you become an actual head football coach, college football coach. Uh, but other than that, um, down the line, it should be some some form of name of a coach. I don't know when it will happen, but yeah, uh, it will be this week. Um, so talks with other people that want to become the head, you know, head coach of the school. A sled. They have a rough time ahead of them because they do. You know, Bethune Cookman is a small private uh, HBCU institution in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, They, you know, um, uh, was slashed getting uh, accreditation restored. Uh, That's the reason why you see uh, Reggie Theus who's the head basketball coach for the school, is also doing double duty as the Yeah. So, so it, it's good news coming out. Of, it'll be good news coming out of Bethune. Uh, I want to see what kids are staying on as far as who's going to sign tomorrow for Intent. You know, your mic is coming in and out. I'm not sure what's happening. We're hearing most of what you're saying, but sometimes your mic is is going out on us, um, and it's getting super faint. So, because you were saying what's got you excited about what's coming up, I, I didn't quite hear what came after that. Okay. Uh, can you hear me it's now? like it was going super faint. Like I could hear you, but I've got a very pretty sophisticated sound system on my side. Uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure. On my phone. Can you hear me now? I can absolutely. Okay, it might be my left my left earpiece, <laughs> uh, <laughs> AirPod. But by the um, way, it's, I just have to say one last thought on Bethune Cooking before I forget. I mean, it's going to be kind of awkward now because they've got a game at Miami, and Ed Reed would have really made it kind of a fun sort of angle with what would have otherwise been, you know, especially at this point, a pretty pretty outgunned program walking in to Hard Rock Stadium. But now it's it's just awkward. <laughs> I mean right. it's, it's gonna be awkward. Um but um like I said, it should be a uh once they name the head coach and he gets in and he implements what he wants to do as far as how the program is going to be ran. Uh, it should be good sledding with Bethune Cookman. So we, I don't want to. My my thing is, uh, I don't want to pose any type of negative stigma on Bethune. I want to see it, all the positive come out of for for the schools. Um, Bethune Cookman and HBCU football, when they're good, they are good. Like when they're when they're on, they they are pretty much on spot on. Um, but we 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 hopefully uh, having them be able to compete in the Southwestern Athletic Conference would be a good thing for 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 the conference as a whole, and also with Bethune Cookman. Absolutely. Well, Doc, it's been great having you on, man, and and I always appreciate hearing your thoughts. I know we've heard you before. 
Um, and uh, definitely check out, if you're into listening, learning more about HBCU football, he's got a lot going on, and you can check him out at his uh, handle with um, with Overdrive. That sounds real fun, man. Thanks so much oh, yeah. for, uh, for joining us, man. All right. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Anytime. Mm-hmm. You know... Just kind of just wanted to change gears, guys. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, JD. And and by the way, again, and and it's serious. But if you want to join our conversation, please hit request. Everyone's welcome. This is Tuesday nights with RCFB Talk. We love hearing from you. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on kind of the adventures of Stetson Bennett this week. What do you guys think? Reminds me a little bit of. Uh... Uh, Baker Mayfield and his attempt at running from the cops, you know, kind of an, another undersized uh, QB who didn't get away with it. And, um, you know, alcohol was definitely to blame. Overall, kind of a minor incident. Um, some people are talking about how it's going to hurt his draft stock, but I mean, he's like a projected fourth round pick. Um, you know, he's, he's small. He doesn't have the measurables that the pro guys like. I don't really know that they care that he you know, kind of got like a drunken disorderly or whatever because he was, you know, knocking on hotel room doors at six in the morning. But we'll see what happens. Well, I, did we get, I don't know if we got video of that. <laughs> like we did with, with uh, Baker, though. That was, that was, they made that one, I think, a little more amusing. But, uh, Jenny, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I'm also in agreement as well. I mean, this is not, a guy where like a Johnny Manziel came in and he had a history that came in from Texas A&M. People already knew, hey, he's a character. Hey, he's got these own issues. Stetson Bennett, I think, is a late round guy who is going to be a late round guy regardless. I don't think this necessarily changes anything. And again, for a guy who his biggest banker for all time is going to be the back to back uh, national championship quarterback at Georgia. I mean, that's essentially what he's going to be banking on for the rest of his life, not necessarily an NFL career. Uh, I'm going to be <laughs> yeah. very, very fine with, you know, whatever happens with him in the draft, because this isn't going to be a whole big deal for him. You know, I, I, one of the, the comments that made me really laugh on, on RCFB when this sort of came out um, was, I guess it was JWW Burger, a Michigan fan. I mean, so no, no stake in any of this. He's like, Beating TCU like a drum was bad enough. He's going now door to door to TCU fans at 6 a.m. to rub it in just because it was in the Metroplex. I thought <laughs> that makes it actually even funnier if you imagine it, though. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, my only yeah, I think the only thing that could possibly harm him is the fact that he does kind of party hard. And, you know, he's in his 20s still. I mean, he I don't think he's quite reached 20. I mean, what is he, 25 now? He's actually fairly old. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, you know, just I, I do remember the jokes at the because uh, obviously it was I was at the game uh, covering it for our CFB. And I remember the morning afterwards that they always do the championship kind of coach and players conference. And uh, at the last second, they said he wasn't coming and they kind of swapped in. Uh, they swapped in a, a different offensive player, and, and all of the media were immediately asking, kind of jokingly among each other, like, oh, was he out partying? Because he did, you know, famously the previous year, and he showed up on Good Morning America looking pretty hungover. So, you know, I think that's that's the worst thing that could be said. It's like, man, this kind of keeps happening, but I think, you know, he can get it together. He's able to get it together and be a star quarterback at an FBS program and, and win lead two national championships in the SEC. He can, he can do it. So, but that, that was, that's like the only possible concern I would have from all of this. 
look, when his draft stock will be fine. All he's got to do is make sure he reads the playbook and he gives him the hundred dollar bill back, and it'll be all okay, and he'll be he'll be fine. Hey, yeah, we got someone else who wants to join us to to talk. Pete, the Greek, what's going on? Hey, guys, just real quick, I just want to get your thoughts on what does it speak to about the Georgia program now? You've had a couple incidents back-to-back. What are your guys' thoughts on that? And and is this just a coincidence, or are we starting to see some of the warts starting to pop up? What are your thoughts? I think this is two very different kind of things that we're talking about here. The Stetson Bennett um, issue is is pretty lighthearted. Um, nothing at all related to to the type of tragedy that Georgia had um, a few weeks ago with with uh, a player and a staffer dying. Um, that it seems there's still an investigation going on with what exactly happened. The details there, um, but no matter what, that that's a tragedy and. I don't think that's something that we really need to to wade in too much and start ju- judging Kirby Smart for you know signs of of problems with his program um, based off of something like that. When especially when we don't know all the details into how it happened, what was uh, at play there. But um, teams have had issues before. Um, I don't know if two incidents, as unrelated as they are, is really something to to judge it by um, the real test is just going to be the product they put back on the field. You know, this year they certainly didn't let uh, having that high of a championship um, hold them back when it came to actually playing the games. You know, they had a couple of hiccups, but in a year where everybody had at least one, um, they still kind of shrugged it off and, and still finished the season with a clean sheet. So I think that it, the kind, the kind of off-the-field stuff like that, I don't think it's going to be the make-or-break thing that says that the program's in decline or there's a festering issue or anything like that. It's just going to be whether or not they can focus and, and actually come out and perform on the field come this fall. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other things, too, is it's really difficult to look at two very wholly unrelated situations and kind of grasp at straws to say, oh, we're seeing something fall apart with the program because we hear that in every single dynasty that gets built up. Every single time that we see like a Clemson be built up, an Alabama be built up, there's always some kind of argument that says, oh, is this the thing that's going to take the dynasty down? And unfortunately, I think this is the first thing that people can try to grasp at straws to say like, hey, maybe this is going to be something to take down the Georgia dynasty. Because I think when people look at their schedule for next year, they're very well slated again to make it into the playoffs, to go on a deep run, likely be a good favorite for the national championship again next year. And I think when it comes down to people just trying to find any reason to not see that, they're just going to try to grasp at anything, even if it's for tragic reasons, even if it's for nonsense reasons. Uh, I would not amount any of this as smoke being fire or anything else like that. You know, one thing, though, just as sort of a lighter note, <laughs> you know, it isn't quite the same as the running gag that Mark Richt has lost control of the Georgia program that was such a, a go-to for, for many years. Um, uh, so that's definitely something, though, that the idea of, of, of the program losing control has had a, a, a history of, of memedom and all of that stuff. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with Mike co-hosts on this it's 
it, uh, it's just a this feels like a weird just kind of blip of things. And granted, I mean, once you become this successful, once you're a back-to-back champion, as if it wasn't already, the, the, the microscope wasn't on them last year. I mean, now it's all the more so. And in SEC country, and I get it, it's why they're so fun and wild and interesting. Man, people are going to be looking close. And uh, we'll see. But again, I, yeah, I agree. The tragedy of what happened, um, particularly to uh, with the program and, and the, inst- the the car crash and, and just with, uh, you know, granted, I mean, he's, he's wrapping up, but even this Bennett stuff, is, it, it isn't anything new and it is sort of just something that it's happened. And, and again, things things get close in that Petri dish. I mean, gosh, I remember when it was, uh, I mean, what was the last program that really had that? I think FSU got that quite a bit. When FSU was good. Yeah, we, we did. And, and I didn't. I didn't mean. Oh yeah, no, 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 and and we you didn't. It didn't sound that way. It didn't sound that way. But it yeah, it was yeah, a good no, question, and it kind of set that up because I always thinking of like I remember when uh you know when Florida State was at it was la- its most recent peak. I mean it's it's probably it looks like it's on its way back up. But I mean you know that was just something they always had happen. Remember everyone was sort of like oh what's the quarterback doing you know oh my gosh you know every yeah. little thing. So then people are like is is does he have a control of the program? And you're just kind of like yeah, but I mean. Yeah, it's it's it needs a little bit more there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I still remember back in the day when uh, uh, Spencer Hall created that uh, the, the original version of the uh, um, the Fulmer Cup was the whole idea of the Switzer Slam was you know a, a program winning a national championship, the Heisman, and winning the Fulmer Cup of, of the most criminal activity in the off season. Um, I, I don't know if we've quite reached that point, but yeah, no. Or even, uh, and I and I can only relate it to like from our program with Jimbo Fisher. You see a little bit of consistency, right? I mean, you see how our program went from a powerhouse to losing control, or what at least it seemed like. And then as that coach moves on to Texas A and M, you see a little bit of that same um, storyline. Well, the the other example that I would that comes to my mind is Urban Meyer's tenure at Florida, where they had something like thirty one players get arrested during his tenure, and of course, to come to come to find out in that case, um, you know, sometimes it's a sign of a coach being checked out where he's not, you know, making sure that the players meet certain standards. On the other hand, like with what we found out with some of the people that Urban had on his on his roster, um, it was a case of well, we have a talented football player. And we're just going to ignore all of these red flags that keep popping up and the trouble that he gets into because he's a really good football player and we're going to win a lot of games with, you know, zero morality involved. Um, I don't think that that this is kind of the same situation um, with Georgia right now. It, it It's not exactly a, a big, long list of, of players who are doing things wrong and also facing zero repercussions. So um, definitely there have been play- pro- programs in the past that have won a lot of games and had these issues that have festered and developed over time. Um, still seems a little bit early to, to kind of make those comparisons right now. I, I don't think you can. I think uh, Kirby seems at least, you know, on the eye test that he is a, a guy that'll do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, Oh my gosh, my mind just totally crashed right there. I had something I wanted to add. Because Sirius, I thought, put it very succinctly, and I think he put it really well. Um, 
Well, one thing that always strikes me whenever I, I see or at least read about some of the issues that some of the players have, I, I sympathize only because as I've gotten older and you start to read the data, you know, it's that's like the most that's like the the especially for men, that is one of the most difficult times if there's going to be kind of an issue that pops up with mental health. It tends to appear in that 18 to like 24 year range, which is the prime time for a lot of, you know, college players and then, you know, young NFL players. And so, I mean, you can be physical talent and have that kind of a, an issue and, and have to, to address it. So I do sympathize with a lot of them uh, in those situations. But of course, you know, a lot of these programs have a great amount of uh, facilities and care to, to take care of that. I think one of the things that I'd also love to uh, at least look over at the moment for right now, uh, we've already talked about the Big 12 and their new schedule coming out. <clears throat> I think one of the things that I'm also very interested in, at least from that perspective for right now, is on top of all the stuff that we've talked about with Oklahoma and some of the teams that are staying in the Big 12, uh, we also have, you know, uh, Texas is going to Houston to play them for the first time since 2002 uh, and to play them at Houston. Uh, what a absolutely delightful matchup uh, for them to have in that, like what will probably be their final big 12 schedule uh, to also have Texas tech at home during Thanksgiving uh, for that type of rivalry week game. I think that's going to be another fantastic matchup, but similarly to see we noted it a little bit earlier today. I thought it was very hilarious to see out of the 14 teams that are in the Big 12 right now, you had 12 teams that very eagerly posted out custom videos, custom graphics, whatever else they wanted to push, season ticket sales, and announce their Big 12 schedule. Both Texas and Oklahoma just decided, you know what, we're just going to retweet the Big 12 announcement and we're going to call that a day. I found that to be absolutely delightful uh, in all of that stuff that was happening with Big 12 scheduling today. And I know that we uh, lost Ricky, uh, but we're trying to get some uh, people, folks up here. Uh, you know, there is nothing better than Elon Musk's $44 billion investment uh, into Twitter spaces. But as we're trying to get some of these folks up, I can see folks like Sir William. I can see John Paxson. We're trying to get you all all up here in just a hot second. <clears throat> But of course, please go ahead and request on up as we can get y'all up here. Um, Sirius, I know one of the other things, if we want to continue talking on on a couple of other topics out here as we're trying to bring some other speakers up. Hey, guys. Uh, this hey coordinator guys. hunt for Alabama hey, seemed to take... JD, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop off, but uh, somebody's putting some stuff. We got it. Thing. No, no, we took, we, we took care yeah. of it. It was, and, and it was actually... It was a, a pair of uh, of accounts. I mean, you know, they they try to police this uh, this site, but we all know how that one goes. So we got it. We got it taken care of. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, Andre, what's going on? I know we've talked to you before. How's it going, everyone? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I just personally want to say I hope UCF goes 0-12 next year in the Big 12, and I want all 12 losses to be the most embarrassing losses ever. Sincerely, your friends in Tampa. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the yeah the uh, the the Schadenfreude would be would be very real if that were to happen. Oh my goodness! All right, you know, guys, I wanted to just sort of, and again, if you want to join us, just go ahead and hit request. One other topic I wanted to, to toss your guys' way is what do we make about 
one of my favorite stories is this this whole NIL thing at with Nick Saban. There was a player, and Coach Saban seems to have said this. Allegedly, they wanted half a million dollars, and for and this is the quote. Actually, what this is Nick Saban speaking. One of them wanted five hundred thousand dollars, and for us to get his girlfriend into law school at Alabama and pay for it. I showed him the door, and and this is reportedly associated with Saban. So, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I, I just love to get your thoughts. I have some thoughts on this, but I wanted to hear yours. So to start off, supposedly some of these were current players who were kind of if you don't give me this, I'm going to transfer, which would make more sense um, for why they would want their their girlfriend to get into Bama Law School instead of you know like an 18 year old <laughs> recruit asking for, uh, for their girlfriend to get into Bama law or, uh, or even somebody in a transfer portal situation. Um, so that kind of helps make the situation make a little bit more sense, but yeah, it is absolutely ridiculous um, to even go in with that kind of an ask. I mean, I get that you can get uh, admissions to kind of, you know, let in some people that maybe wouldn't make it normally, which you can argue that they have, football is an extracurricular and they get the same kind of, you know, benefit of the doubt as far as that goes is like letting in someone who's an accomplished pianist or something like that. But uh, using it to try to get your significant other um, into law school is just beyond the pale. Um, That's, that's bold. It's a girlfriend, no less. They ain't even your spouse. Anyone who's been through the law school rigmarole and I'm one of those that it is, it'll absolutely ruin a relationship for some people. I didn't have that. Luckily, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't. I knew that going into law school and and uh, having a relationship didn't usually work. That was the. It was absolutely the truth. That's why you meet someone in law school or, or in medical school or something. But oh my gosh, like that is that is just bold for someone. And I mean, imagine this. Imagine. This guy thought, like, I'm going to get my girlfriend into the law school. And Alabama is a decent law school. It's, like, in the top, I want to say, 25. It, it does well in the Alabama market. And, uh, but, of course, Alabama, to be fair, Alabama's legal market isn't enormous. But it, it, it's only two hours away from, you know, Atlanta. So it does great in Atlanta. And that is a major legal market. So, uh, but imagine, like, this player then saying, oh, by the way, uh, you're getting you into uh, – I bet he didn't even bring up the doubling the uh, the alleged amount. I think it was like supposed to be two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he wanted to double that and get his girlfriend in. But imagine that he's going to tell his girlfriend like, "Yeah, I tried to get you in, and uh, Nick Saban pulled my offer." But um, yeah, that is just that is one of the most amazing requests. And I mean, there's diplomacy involved here. I gotta say, and I know another one of our users made that point, and it, it, again, that was probably one of my favorite uh, comments because I mean. Obviously, this thing has been going on forever. I mean, in the past, players have certainly probably asked for under the table, kind of, you know, getting and securing that bag and all of that stuff. But there's diplomacy involved. Even when you hear about the Pony Express days, like allegedly, the you know, the way the, the Trans Am was made is he went and saw it at a dealership and said he liked it. and uh, But he didn't like explicitly ask for it. And next thing you know, he's got it. That was kind of the way, but to just go up to Nick Saban and flat out make a demand like that is is pretty damn bold, especially when you're a high school player and you haven't even proven yourself. Now, I could see, you know, let's say it was Bryce Young, whether he was going to come back, if there was ever like like a player of that level, I, I could see maybe some negotiation points there. But like, man, in high school? Mm. Yeah, and I mean, th- th- there were some interesting comments because it was like, 
you know, oh, you're, you're making this big ask and it's, you know, for Alabama law school. But to be fair, yeah, they're number 25 in the country. And, um, you know, they're maybe not the most competitive for, uh, for a white shoe big law firm kind of job. But if you're going to practice in the Southeast and especially in Alabama, or you want to go into like politics and that kind of thing, um, it's a pretty good inroad there. Um, considering just the people that you meet in the networking, if you can get in, they're, you know, relatively selective, um, for a large state school program. Yeah, no, he's not, it's not a joke by any stretch. And I, and I definitely didn't mean to imply that they're the, well, I, I assume they're the top, you know, the top dog in the state, never heard school in the top dog in the state, especially if you want to practice in it. Um, that's why I advise students, uh, who I teach <laughs> who are, who are thinking about it. But anyway, uh, we get kind of, we don't need to get too sidetracked into the whole law school thing. Hey, JD, what do you think about all of this? I mean, I think first and foremost, I recognize that this is a new reality that we have in recruiting and even retainment of players. We saw a very similar situation with Florida and their recent quarterback situation. And I think it's something that coaches are going to have to deal with. Nick Saban obviously dealt with this in the way that he wanted to. And I don't think players are necessarily out of right. I mean, the worst that happens is they say no, or you don't get the option that you uh, ideally want. But you know what? If you want to go swing for the fences and you connect on that as a player and you have some program that says, hey, you know what? We will admit your girlfriend to law school. We will give you the amount of money that we ask for. Go for it. I'm fully in favor of of these players, if they see money being thrown around, seeing offers thrown around for staff, for administration, for operations, for all these other different avenues of money and opportunity in college football, if a player wants to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm at least going to give a swing at it, more power to them. Uh, they absolutely have the right to be knocked down and rejected uh, in the way that Nick Saban knocked them down and rejected them in this instance. You know what, I am here for players making brazen asks and brazen requests to play football at certain places. I want somebody to go to another SEC school and say, I would like $1 million and a jet ski to be your wide receiver. This is the America I want to live in. You know, a lot of us as fans, we're, we're looking at this story and we're thinking, wow, this is just so ridiculous. Um, you know, could you imagine having the, the, the hoodspot actually go in and make that offer? And you know that there are players out there who are looking at this or players' girlfriends who are looking at this, um, wives for, you know, a few schools, um, who are looking at this and they're saying, wait, we can ask for that? Really? I mean, I'm, like, it, might, it may not work, but you can ask for it? So it would, it would actually be hilarious to see, um, you know, like a list of, of requests that start coming through. You know, like some journalist needs to do an anonymous article with, you know, what's the most ridiculous, you know, ask that you've gotten, you know, in the past recruiting cycle, uh, because we know that there's got to be some some that are pretty out there. Um, got to get creative, guys. Like the car thing is overplayed, um, stuff like that. Like throw something weird in there. One million dollars and a jet ski. This is the America we want to live in. <laughs> You know, Dan Daniel Tosh did say that money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you a jet ski. And have you ever seen anyone frown while they're on a jet ski? Just, you know, something to consider. I just want to tease you all and say personal watercraft because jet ski is a trademark. But, <laughs> but uh, Wait, anyway. you think that they would actually be as asking for an off brand, you know, personal <laughs> water sport vehicle? Uh, no, no, you got to get the real, the real deal. 
I think Bobek is just concerned about big watercraft coming after this podcast. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They Hey, we can be the jet ski RCFP talk. I don't mind. T- Technically, they're kind of like moderately sized watercraft, not really so big, but yeah. <laughs> you know, one other topic, and again, if you guys like to join the conversation out there, just hit request. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Miami is relieved offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis of his duties. That is, I remember how big of a splash it was when they got him to join the program. And now here he's already being let go. And, and of course, you know, a lot of Michigan fans are, are immediately to say that he was never a good play caller and the success had very little to do with him last, or I should say now two seasons ago. But um, what do you guys make of that? I mean, I remember when he went from, um, you know, Penn state to Alabama, that was kind of a big deal because he, seemed to be pretty influential in what they were doing there. And then when Michigan was able to lure him away from Bama after just a year, um, that was a big deal. And then, you know, they they did pretty well under him. Um, man, uh, Michigan fans may say that they didn't do that great, but they hired him back. So, um, you know, that him being out after just one season in Miami, that's – you kind of got to wonder if um, maybe he wasn't the issue. Yeah, especially when you get that big of a splash hire. I mean, this is a guy who won the Broyles Award for Best Assistant. And yes, I'm sure there's some Wolverine fans out there saying, well, he wasn't actually the guy. The other assistants and the system at Michigan allowed him to succeed and hit a lot of his weaknesses. Uh, But the fact of the matter is you took the assistant of the year and you spent a good amount of coin to get him to come down to Miami after getting a huge splash where you had fired Manny Diaz, you had brought in... Uh, Kevin Steele as your defensive coordinator. You brought in Mario Cristobal and a lot of his uh, player or his uh, system in from Oregon. And when you burn through that much money, and then Josh Gaddis is the only one after this disappointing season to get the high profile firing, and especially this late in the season. Uh, I think one of the things that might have possibly happened was there might have been a very quiet, like, hey, why don't you go find another job? And we'll say that you chose to leave. Uh, and then they hit a deadline and they were like, hey, you know what? Sorry, you didn't get the Clemson offensive coordinator job. Sorry, you didn't get the Bama offensive coordinator job, but you got to go. Like, we just can't have you here for whatever reason. And we need you to just go see the door. I think especially after this season with Miami, I don't think anybody was necessarily expecting them to be, you know, ACC champions, go to the playoff in year one uh, under Mario. But I think nobody expected, you know, blowout losses to Florida State, losing to Middle Tennessee State, uh, not even making a bowl game in year one. So if Josh Gaddis is the one who ends up being the sacrificial lamb to say, hey, we're changing something down here, uh, you know, it's a choice. I'm not going to say it's a bad one. I'm not going to say it's a great one. But I think overall, if you're Miami and you're looking for any kind of reason to say, you know what, we're going to pin all of our money and pin all of our issues on one guy and decide that's it. You can do worse than picking your offensive coordinator. The sicko in me is excited to see uh, Miami's offense do actually worse this year. Uh, (laughs) Just, just for, for giggles. (laughs) You know, I mean, it'll be, I mean, the, one of the, the running game, well, the consensus is he was a great wide receivers coach. As a position coach, he was exceptional. Now the question is, did he get elevated to the point where perhaps 
um, he wasn't as good or was hidden among all the talent at uh, the, the 2011 Michigan Wolverines. But, you know, I, I wouldn't – I'd love to kind of see him end up at, like, Iowa and be co-offensive coordinator there or something because that there's one where I don't think it could get worse. So, I mean, that would be interesting. Of course, that would involve an impossible decision for the Ferentz family. But – um, hey, listen, make Josh Gaddis the passing game coordinator. He'll improve the passing to about three yards per play. And somehow Iowa will end up going with a 10 win season and a points per game of eight. You know, again, if you guys would like to join us, just go ahead and hit request. We love hearing from all of you. But, you know, serious, I'm going to aim this one in your direction because he's a here's a, a name that we've talked about in the past. Yeah, one of the headlines, and this is from Dennis Dodd, is that uh, Alabama coach Nick Saban has reached out to former Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt regarding the Crimson Tide's vacant defensive coordinator position. What do you think? Do you think that might be a good fit if that's for real? I mean, the man doesn't know vegetables, and he can't run a program. He's never going to live down that asparagus. He's never going (laughs) to live it down. That might be the single greatest... The thing that two days ever gave the world was was the what's that a, asparagus? Have you never seen asparagus, Jeremy? That little scene was it was amazing. Um, but yeah, he he doesn't know his vegetables and and he can't run a program. But he was a great defensive coordinator um, by all accounts at his um, you know and and defensive coach at his various stops and somebody that Saban knows and has worked with you know for several years uh, during his, his time as a head coach. So, you know, I think that it's a safe hire. Um, they know what to expect from him. They know what his defenses are going to look like. Um, lots of Bama, te- Bama fans were not happy with Pete Golding and, you know, the, the product that he put on the field this year. Um, and we've talked about this before that this year, you know, Alabama didn't look like a Nick Saban Alabama team. They were undisciplined. They made stupid mistakes. Um, they didn't have great line play. You know, Bryce Young was was having to pull a lot of plays out of a hat, basically, and, you know, just keep them alive by scrambling and being evasive. Um, you know, if he had a, a normal Bama team around him, he's probably right in the running for another Heisman. Um, obviously, didn't happen this year. So I think that, you know, from Saban's perspective, going back to something that is a known quantity that you're familiar with, that you trust. There's definitely a lot of appeal there. And, you know, they had Butch Jones, former Tennessee head coach on their staff um, as an analyst and an assistant to the head coach, um, you know, kind of an assistant to the regional manager kind of thing um, for several years. And they didn't lose to Tennessee while Butch Jones was there. So maybe they're trying to get some of that magic going again, too. You know, I will go ahead and play devil's advocate for just one specific story angle. And I know Jeremy Pruitt, if he comes back, there's going to be a lot of excited Alabama fans who are going to go, oh, we're going back to the Alabama defense of old. It's going to look like 2015, 2016, you know, when our team was presumably, you know, scoring more than their uh, offenses were allowing. So getting more defensive touchdowns in a game or special teams touchdowns in a game than offensive touchdowns that they were allowing. 
But if I can have you all consider this, you know, according to Tony Sukalas, a uh, friend of the program and uh, lead writer over at Tide Illustrated, the rival site for Alabama, uh, you know, if you don't end up getting Jeremy Pruitt, Todd Grantham apparently has interest in the job and it's mutual. So if you want to get more away from a Nick Saban defense, man, let's go with some emotional blitzing because as Florida fans can attest, Todd Grantham is definitely the guy you need if you want to beat Georgia. You know, we have someone up here who also wanted to add to the conversation, and I love the username Lando Lakes. What's going up? Or Lando Lakes. No, it's no, you got it right. It's Lando. It's uh I'm not associated with the creamer of any sort. <laughs> the really fine co op here in Minnesota. But what's going on? <laughs> not much. I just uh I just wanted to like, you know, I, I I could see Bama going with, you know, the higher there, Jeremy Pruitt. I just, with living in the state of Alabama, I mean, granted I'm biased, Auburn alumni, but I don't think this year they would do that for whatever reason, just because of Hugh Freeze. I feel like it's a pride thing. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, Auburn's already gotten the ref a second chance you, right? Recovery program now so i wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to go that route personally but that's just kind of me my first thoughts on that because i feel like he's a great coach but then the sanctions and all that go in and i don't know might maybe next year or something Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and I got to ask you, what are your thoughts so far? I mean, because now that we've gotten past that, the uh, the initial sort of, um, you know, the, the media did kind of drag Auburn a bit for the hire. But what do you think? How have things looked so far now that things have calmed down and, and attentions are totally focused on the hiring? Well, how are things at Auburn at the moment? I mean... I feel like they're good. I mean, granted, I'm not Paul Feinbaum or someone else who's biased <laughs> about that. I mean, I don't know. I was always kind of on board with that. Um, you know, there's I definitely feel like there's still some people out there who are not on board with him, and they'll have to get over that. Um, at the end of the day, or just kind of like pull for basketball at this point. I don't know. Um, I don't feel like, you know, I was surprised that, it went on as long as it did, but I don't know. He's crossing all the T's and dotting his eyes right now. I mean, our recruiting pro for the transfer portals look really positive. Um, I mean, it's hard not to compare him to uh, the dude who was there before him, right? Um, and I don't know how fair that is, but whatever. I mean, he's a better fit culturally with Auburn like historically speaking. So I don't know. I, I'm happy with where things are at. I feel like, you know, he's done, he's made, he's crossed, like I said, like showing up to, you know, high schools, making connections with coaches there, uh, just reaching out. I, you know, there's been players that have came to Auburn now that, you know, uh, Harson had talked about or maybe – Oh, maybe I should say he should, he who shall not be named, right? I shouldn't say his name. Um, <laughs> uh, 
you know, people he talked about going after, they may have tried, didn't really put a focus on it. It was forgotten about. And now they're transferring here or, you know, if they're still in high school, they're showing more interest. So it's just interesting from that perspective, the way, you know, how he's like actually more involved in the recruiting stuff from what I'm seeing. So that's really encouraging. Um, yeah, I'm going to mute myself. Thanks. Hey, thanks for coming on board. We appreciate all your thoughts about the Auburn program, and I think you're hitting it right on the head of, you know, regardless of what you think, a few freeze, justified and unjustified. I think one of the basic things that he's doing are the things that Brian Harson wasn't, right? When you talk about reaching out to high school uh, coordinators and specific avenues of recruiting that you're supposed to hit up, especially at a position like Auburn, that was something where Brian Harson always seemed to be a fish out of water coming out from Boise and then kind of being put in the pressure cooker of a full SEC program and not necessarily understanding that recruiting is so key in order to compete at a high level. And especially when your rivals are Alabama and Georgia, which, you know, one is the dynasty that's been the dynasty for over a decade now. And the other one, which is now the back-to-back national champions and looking like it's going to be the dynasty to beat for this upcoming decade. I think no matter who you're going to hire at Auburn, you needed somebody who was willing to put in the effort of recruiting to make sure that you can at least compete at that level. Because if you don't have the athletes to start, I mean, you can, do schematics you can do uh you know trickery and uh kind of just essential bs in your play calling which is kind of what gus malzahn did for a hot second to make sure that he got a win over alabama you know maybe once every three or four years uh but when you have your two biggest rivals being at the complete apex of college football you need to start with good solid athletes that can keep up for all four quarters of the game and at least hugh freeze is doing a better job at that than Brian Harson ever did during his tenure out there. All I'll add is, uh, you know, all Miss fans are pretty happy with Hugh Freeze until the NCAA uh, sanctions folks showed up at the door and started asking a lot of really pointed questions. So uh, it remains to be seen how this will turn out. We just know that it's not always gone so great in the past. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can rekindle some of the magic that he had when he was at Ole Miss and, uh, you know, win some Iron Bowls or if, um, you know, that's kind of gone by the wayside. You know, here's another kind of story that I, I don't want it to get lost in this past week is for the first time in 10 years, Kansas is 85 scholarship players, which is just incredible. I mean, how it's a testament to what kind of a disaster the program had been in, and I just I just had to take a second and recognize that because it's just, it's astonishing to think that Kansas. I knew they were, I knew at one point they were operating quite low, but imagine the program that had that level of difficulty in, in maintaining a a basic scholarship limit while being a P five program um, by all intents. So I just wanted to throw that one out there. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, when you say, you know, Kansas was so low, we are less than a decade removed from Charlie Weiss literally bringing JUCO candidates onto campus. And when they go, hey, what does the death roster look like? And he responds, hey, have you seen this pile of crap out there? I mean, that's what the man was announcing at Big 12 media days less than a decade ago. And now they're up to a point where 
They've actually replenished a roster. They made a bowl game last year. Uh, Lance Leipold, I think, got a little bit shafted in any of these Coach of the Year awards uh, that went out. I think there's certainly some uh, very award-winning coaches. You know, Sonny Dykes cleaned up a lot on that. Willie Fritz over at Tulane got some well-deserved recognition. But Lance Leipold, to take Kansas out of this absolute abyss of college football and turn them into something actually watchable, actually fun, that is maybe one of the best coaching jobs we have ever seen in college football. I have to admit, when I first saw that um, that stat come across, I thought it was a joke because, I mean, for a P5 program to not be able to get 85 guys of some caliber um, that are interested in playing football, you know, on the national na- national level, technically, um, was just kind of astounding to me. And the fact that they've been able to pull it off, um, you know, this this change in, in the team's performance and everything, I- extremely impressive, and it's exciting to see what they're going to do next year. Absolutely. Um, you know what? It is now coming in in about 60 minutes of talk. We usually wrap these up in about an hour. This seems like a good spot. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. On behalf of myself, Bob Akhairi, on behalf of my co-hosts, J.D. Moore and Sirius, thank you all so much for joining us. We do these every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. And we'll start working in guests again on other regular basis that we will announce. So Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, Enjoy this next week of the offseason, and I'm going to hang up and listen.